Have you ever seen someone do really well and wonder how on earth they managed it? I found myself asking that very question at times, and now I want to uncover the elements that go into creating success, influence, connection, and most importantly, happiness in people's lives. My friends, welcome to the High Performance Human Podcast. Hello once again, everyone. It's Andy on another episode of the High Performance Human Podcast. Today's guest, something of an enigma in amongst the real estate industry, um, but she's done it in a way that has just provided such a breath of fresh air to what is becoming a slightly stuffy industry over the course of the last however many years. And it was ready for someone like this next guest to come in and give it a real buzz. Now, Laura Shooter has been in the real estate space for seven years, uh, working alongside her other half, Samuel, up in Dubbo, New South Wales, running a real estate firm that has been going absolutely gangbusters. You wouldn't have thought that much in Dubbo would be going gangbusters, but these two are most certainly proving that that can be the case. Um, the reason why I've asked Laura to come on this High Performance Human podcast is because of the way that she approaches not only this industry, but the, everything and everyone in general. And I, for one, have a tremendous amount of respect for how she goes about it. Laura, a very warm welcome to the High Performance Human podcast. How I, How is life up in Dubbo? Thank you, Andy, um, and thanks for having me. Life in Dubbo is great. Um, it, it's actually a, a bustling city. We've got so much happening here, and um, we get to go along for the ride with that. Um, it's a great time to be in real estate in Dubbo. Oh, for sure, man. You guys are certainly you're certainly proving that uh, you're, you're very much uh, right in the thick of it with everything that you're doing and the dynamic way that you do all of your work. It's really, really cool to see. Uh, now, Laura, we have a little tradition. Uh, we have our two questions to kick things off. The first one, uh, we'll get you to tell all our guests, all our all our listeners uh, who you are and what you're about. Um, and then we'll get your definition of what a high-performance human is. So first things first, for the few people that don't know who you are, give us a bit of an idea as to your background and what's brought you to this point to date. All right. So... Uh, I'm Laura Shooter, and at the moment I'm running um, SJ Shooter Real Estate together with my husband Samuel here in Dubbo. We grew that from a bedroom in our home through to now we've got um, a team of 15, lovely office location, and um, yeah, Samuel's an amazing agent, sells about 100 properties a year, and our rent roll's growing. Uh, We're at 600 at the moment, but hopefully that'll continue to go north. So that's the plan. Um, My background, I got siphoned into real estate from um, social work and specifically child protection. So when Samuel started the business, I was happily employed at community services in um, doing child protection. And yeah, I I think I, I got into... Um, the business just to help out for a little while. Before I did child protection, I worked in public housing and I used to do tenancy management for the state government effectively out um, further west than Dubbo. And I thought that that bit of experience might help him get things set up a bit. But what I found was that I really enjoyed being in business, that it's probably a bit more fun than working for the state government, certainly more nimble. (laughs) And then once we kind of started looking outside just here at um, the industry and and what sort of we can tap into, uh, I, I found that actually I love this industry and um, and there's so many people using their agencies and their 
their um what they have to make a great contribution to their communities and like that's one of the reasons I stay so I've been lucky enough lately to get some speaking invitations so I love being able to contribute back to the industry but I also um, love being able to go out and bring back the best of what's happening to Dubbo um, so that we do have access to that here and then I love being able to demonstrate that you don't miss out on anything by living regionally. And, and that's actually a really, really good point. That last one that you made, everybody seems to think that it has to be the bright lights of the big smoke uh, if you want to really make a success of something like real estate. But in essence, there are some insane operators in regional uh, New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, or any state really um, that are just having a whale of a time and doing it with a degree of humility that just that absolutely matches to the town or the city that they are in uh, that is external to the CBD and the bright lights, right? Uh, which is which is so good. And one thing that I've noticed, especially over the last few years, is the volume of attention that regional regional uh, agents are getting within the real estate space. It's been tremendous because in terms of good practice, particularly around community, the regional markets have just got it sorted and sussed so, to such a greater extent than some of the higher turnover, higher churn uh, city or metro-based offices. Uh, I just think that we've we've all got a hell of a lot to learn uh, going the other way as well, from regional to to city as opposed to the other way around, which tends to be the the perceived case, right? So yeah. um, now, Laura. And there's a few things that I want to dig into with what you with your background. But before we do that, just give us an idea. What is your idea or what is your definition of a high performance human? What does that represent to you? I think it's someone who knows who they are and knows what they're about and what they want to do. And they're going to go after it, take the steps necessary to get there. I find this hilarious. Everybody's answer has been different so far, which is amazing. Uh, it's so, so good. And and it's I really, really like that um, you're sort of in line with, uh, I know that Sam McLean in, in her episode uh, mentions that a high performance human to her is someone that can that can actually go after their dreams. And and I think from your point of view, you know, knows who they are, knows what they're about, and and really works to that. Um, very much as a, a sense of knowing oneself, um, without trying to get too biblical about it. You know, knowing thyself is 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 something that I think is very becoming a very. It's becoming. I think that will become a strong theme around around high performance humans. Is that uh, the the thing that I'm very much becoming aware of is that in order to make any sort of meaningful impact in whichever way you want to go, you really do need to understand who you are before you can go and influence anybody else. Um, That's right. And it's, it's, it's the same as happiness as well, right? You, you know, you can't, you, you got to be happy in yourself before you can uh, help others to be happy as well. Yeah. And that's it. It's not about a comparison, like high performance for someone um, just has to look different for someone else. It can't be by, I, I can only be high performing if I look like this person or that person. It's like, what what is high performance for me? Now, in terms of the the pillars uh, or the what I've what I've referred to as the elements that I feel contribute towards becoming a high performance human, being success, influence, connection, uh, and uh, happiness. 
the one thing that I, one one thing that I wanted to start off with with you is is just focusing at that that moment on success. Now you mentioned just then that being a high performance human has nothing to do with a comparison, right? You you know you, it, there's no barometer that says right you get to this level and you are automatically a high you qualify to be a high performance human. But obviously there are some very practical elements to life where there are tangible uh, measurables, right? And and success obviously is one of the obvious elements within there that where you would perhaps be more um adjoin to numer- the, the numericals of your business or your organization or your performance, right? Um, and there is there will be a degree of comparison, but to a to a degree, but what is your definition of success, especially for, as someone that's come from a social service is very much um a humanitarian sort of mindset that you would have gone into those sorts of roles with. What's success for you? Uh, is it is it alright if I if I have two two definitions of success? Have as many because, as you want. There's no, there's no rules for this. You are you make the rules. <laughs> well, by one, I I haven't quite cracked it yet. So I kind of wanted one where I'm on track and one. Um, <laughs> but really, I I think this is the one that I'm still working at and still trying to figure out. I think for me, the the real definition of success is that are the important people in my life getting the best of me, oh. and. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, and I, I don't think I'm quite there yet if I'm being really honest with you and with myself. And But I like that because the best of me still comes from being able to fully explore what being me is, right? So it doesn't mean that I just spend all my time with the important people in my life. It's about, I guess, going out there and making my, my highest and best contribution and finding what that is and going after that. And um, But also not at the expense of the people who I love and who are important to me in my life. So to be honest, I don't think I've quite found that exactly. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a seesaw um thing. Um but I, I do have another another kind of sense of what success looks like and that is doing what you can from where you are with what you have. And that's what I really try and do. And and what I say to people, like I think there's a lot of pressure on young people. We've got a lot of young people on our team and a lot of pressure to kind of figure things out and, um, and you know, make sure you're doing something that's contributing to what you want to do long term. But what I like to say to them is what I've my experience has been just by doing an excellent job of whatever is in front of you um, and really being critically engaged in that, that ultimately leads you to the next thing. You discover what you're good at, what you enjoy, and that kind of helps reveal the next step to you. You don't have to kind of see something off in the horizon and be working towards that. It's like, no, this is, I'm here, I'm now. And by being excellent and giving this my best, that's going to illuminate just the next step for you. I'll tell you what, she's she's onto it. This one, I told you, I told you, <laughs> gang, I told you, Laura is going to be an absolute gem. I told you. Um, now, if I may ask, you mentioned that you're still working on getting that, getting uh, the, the important people in your life, getting the best of you. Obviously, to a degree, that would be subjective, right? So you would feel in yourself that you are perhaps shortchanging. Uh, one or two of your loved ones, 
But to them, they might be thinking that Laura's just absolutely killing it in her life and we love her to bits and she's doing the best thing since sliced bread and blah, 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 blah. In your in your own opinion, though, what, where do you think it is that you feel you need to improve uh, in order to get closer to this definition of success? Definitely, probably like the definitely probably the um, the family side of things. So Samuel and I have a lot of honest conversations with each other, so that's good. And so I know from his honest feedback that there's some things that I need to do a little better at, and I like, and I've been you know, working on that. And, um, and then the kids, uh, they're, they're telling me I'm hearing them through their feedback that I'm away too much. And, uh, so for me, I have to figure out how I, I either need to help the kids understand why this is important, or I need to make some decisions to maybe do a little less, be home a little more. And I think where I really need to improve is just being present when I'm with them. Um, that's for Samuel and for the kids um, and just be there when I'm there. And I think if I can do that better, a lot of the other stuff, um, I'd probably get away with a little more. I think you just get a bit frazzled and tired and your brain wants to kind of check out. And um, and sometimes I find the noise and the the chaos of the kids a little bit overwhelming. So I kind of like zone out a little bit. And mm. um, I think the ability to just stay in that would mean a lot to them. I think so, um, this yeah, is I think we get a lot of things right, but yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah. I really like your, and thank you for being uh, open and vulnerable in this, re- in this regard, because the whole one of the one of the whole reasons as to why this whole high performance human podcast has come to be is because success parameters for us as professionals is very much defined in many aspects right however the human part of this is the bit that i think most if we're all honest with ourselves most of us are really struggling to get it right on all fronts. Yeah. Uh, and, and everybody bangs on about work life balance, which, but ultimately work is a part of life as much as your family is a part of your life. And it's a case of working it all in, in, in one sort of symphony as opposed to having separated sort of compartments of your life, right? Because then yeah. you know, segregate one part of your life from another part of your life. Then that's just, it's just going to lead to insanity. Um, but. I really like this this whole the, the the that you brought up the topic of the need to be present. Now, for me, for me, I know that when, for example, uh, I when I'm calling an auction, for example, uh, the level of presence that I have uh, when I'm in the moment is something that I wish I could bottle up. I wish I could bottle yeah. it up and drink it regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't drink alcohol, but I'd certainly become an addict of that. Um, yeah. and, and because, and, and because the sense of flow that I feel with my brain, with my heart, with my mind, with my gut, when it comes to making quick decisions and spontaneity and all that sort of stuff, it's, it's like my, my being operates on a higher level. Uh, now, Obviously, a part of the reason why I'm so present is because there is a heck of a lot of external pressure that is being pushed upon me that makes me be present. It's kind of one of the reasons why I, why I box because or why yeah. I do combat sports, because if I don't stay present, I get punched in the face and it's yeah. quite painful. 
Um, so, but I don't really want my kids to punch me in the face. And, no. and I, you know what I mean? And, and so this whole thing of being present and obviously you can blame technology, but ultimately we all invent, we, we as humanity, we invented technology. So we've only got ourselves to bloody blame anyway. Right. So let's stop blaming yeah. technology kids. Yeah. What do you think you can do within yourself that you feel is going to help you? Can you see the path to improvement when it comes to that whole notion of being present? Yeah, I I think there's some just deliberate things I need to do. So probably get my phone out of my pocket and pop it away somewhere when I when I get home. That would definitely help. It's it's the simple stuff that you know, I think. And and the other thing is like I know there's actually some things that I just I can't do. So uh and and so I've started just having conversations with the kids around that. So they'll want me to sit and watch a movie with them. And I say to them, okay. I can sit and watch the movie with you, but I'm going to fall asleep because if I sit still for too long, I fall asleep. It's just what happens. It's just mm-hmm. I can't change it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I said, or, it, and, th- and that frustrates them a little bit too, or I can keep pottering that around the house and I'll be awake and I'll be, you know, you know, getting a few things done. So say, what what would you prefer? Do you want a sleep mum on the lounge with the movie or do you want a wake mum pottering around the house? So I think just and that's kind of comes back to knowing yourself. So that's been helpful as I've kind of had a bit more self-awareness around things, being able to say to the kids, well, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. What would you prefer? Mm. How old are your kids? Eight and 10. Eight and 10. So they're becoming very aware of what's going on and whatnot, right? They're, they're a level of attention and attentiveness towards dynamics and things like that is becoming a lot more heightened. Uh, yeah. Right? Um, I'm experiencing that with my nine-year-old. Uh, daughter as we speak um but it's interesting that you say that you fall asleep during movies or you can potter around and whatnot do you feel that because you are so engrossed with knowledge and learning and improving and all of those sorts of things do you find that sometimes you really it's it's a case of normal life isn't quite quick enough um because i certainly feel that from time to time yeah, and I think that's part of it. And I think that's part of like I, I know that by the important people in my life getting the best of me, I need to be on and I need to have these other things happening in my life. It's not actually just about more of this and less of that. It's about um, because because that makes me feel happy and alive when I've got a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of things happening. And mm. um, But, yeah, so and, and it's not some, yeah, like, I talk a little bit about, um, so my version of boxing is um, ripstick riding at night. So, um, after, so we just- an FYI team, FYI team, if, you, if ever, if ever you want to see uh, someone give a serious talk in a fluoro bike helmet, then um, <laughs> please go and see Laura on stage. <laughs> That was a bit of a trial. It worked out. I didn't fall off on stage. That was good. But so for anyone who doesn't know, a ripstick is like a two-wheeled skateboard that pivots in the middle. So it's the learning curve on it's quite steep. You suck at it for a long time and then you can kind of do it for a while. And um and it's probably a similar sensation to maybe snowboarding or that that's the kind of thing. And so you have to be there, you have to be in it. If you lose concentration, you fall. And as you get better at it, those falls become higher consequence because you go on a bit quicker and you're not expecting it. So um, so that's kind of something. And I need to do that relatively often, at least a few times a week to for my brain to have that time of just being in the moment and being in the zone. 
And well, where was I going with this? We were on the so like I've I've discovered that like that's something that I can do that helps add that mm. um, element in. And so then when I'm with the kids, I've like I've had my time. I've I've had my my moment. It's like a good decompressing time, presence time, and helps me kind of process whatever I'm feeling. And um, so long as I've got those things sprinkled in, I find that I'm able to be more with them when I'm there. Oh, the ripstick writing. So I started riding the ripstick because they were riding their bikes right. and they were learning to ride their bikes without training wheels. And I did. I found that hella boring. Mm. And I just like I had to supervise them because they're out on the street. But I'm like, oh man, I can't do this. <laughs> is so and I, I start getting like snappy at them. Like uh, mm. like so so I got the ripstick so that I had something to kind of be working on. So I didn't just revert to my phone. I wasn't just being crabby at them. And um and so I'm there trying to figure this thing out while they're doing their thing. And it worked out really well because they're seeing me suck at something new while they were sort of learning those new skills. And that's not why I did it. It makes me sound like a cool, you know, wise mum. But actually, I was just a really bored mum trying to get to keep myself off my phone while they were learning a new skill. And, and I wanted to be there for that. But again, like the self-awareness, I'm like, oh, man, like this is painful for my brain. Um, but I want to be here for it. So. Yeah. And I think this whole, and it comes, you know, like you mentioned again, you know, know yourself, know thyself. I think that in order to become a high performance human, I think understanding the, and they're not vulnerabilities, but understanding the inherent elements of your personality that aren't going to be helpful right? Yeah. They're not, and I don't see them as vulnerabilities. I just see them as quirks more than anything else, right? We all have different yeah. quirks. And, yeah. and I think understanding and, and accepting that we have quirks that won't mesh with some people in certain scenarios and will mesh with others in other scenarios. I think that's really, really important when it comes to which scenarios we throw ourselves into. Yeah, uh, I think that's an, an identif identification of opportunities and 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 hazards, shall we say? I think yeah. really cool. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, so one of those things for me as well is like I've had to accept that like people talk about consistency a lot as an element of success or what you need to be or do in order to have whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I've had to kind of accept for myself that consistency doesn't look like a daily or a weekly practice for me. It's like, mm -hmm. uh, it's, there's, I've had to work out there's things that I need to have in my life in order for me to feel regulated, I guess is a good word. And, um, and if I try and say when and how long and how often those things are going to happen, mm. all I end up with is kind of like spiraling disappointment in myself. So um, consistency is like knowing what are the ingredients that I need to have in my life and applying them as needed rather than kind of going, this is how it's going to look. Yeah, nice. I like it. Now, I want to take a bit of a 90-degree turn because sure. you're – uh, one of the reasons why I find you to be so uh, incredibly refreshing in the real estate space in particular uh, has been your approach to uh, collaboration, to connection, uh, in particularly to connection, which I think is one of the key things for me as to why I see you as a high-performing human is 
the, the, that element of connection is something that you've got like in absolute abundance as far as I can see. And the way that you have such a, it's, it's non-abrasive, it's non-intrusive, but it's all encompassing in this, in the respect that you do make so much effort to be at so many events and to support so many things, but it's one thing to do that, but then it's another thing to be able to grow genuine connections with the volume of people that you've managed to grow connections with in the time of, in this, in the space of time that you've managed to do it in, right? There's people that would go their whole careers and not make as many connections as what you've made as far as I can see. Now, a lot of that will come down to the values that you have within yourself and how you uh, and how you broadcast those values out to the world. Now, first things, first thing I want to ask, because I want to tie this in with uh, your, your background with social services and whatnot. Yeah. What what would you say your values were as a as a human being? How you know what what are the the defining values for you? This podcast is proudly sponsored by Rita Real Estate Training Australia. Shane and the team genuinely care for the success of all of their students, not only providing them with the qualifications to enter the industry, but the skills in order to thrive. With twenty four hour online support access to one-on-one training sessions, lifetime access to industry mentors and support, as well as free job-ready training programs for anybody that gets their qualifications through their portal. They're a tremendous outfit and they want to make sure that everybody that comes into the industry stays in the industry. For more information, make sure you head to their website, www.reta.edu.au. Uh, definitely curiosity has always been there. And, um, and I, th- I think like when I actually stop and think like try and articulate what my values are, it's again, it's a bit of a, it's a big self-awareness exercise. And it's like, I realize now that they've, they've been there a long time. So yeah, curiosity, um, contribution and, and connection, I would say is a core value of mine as well. But not just connection with people, but connecting yeah. disparate disparate things together to yeah. create something new. And um and like love and care, like just I I genuinely love and care for people. And um that's obvious. Uh, yeah. that that is really, really obvious. It's obvious with the way that you um communicate whether it's in person or whether it's on social or whether it's through an image or a picture or whatever i think you're at the minute i'd say you're number two behind julie davis for volume of selfies <laughs> taken in one day. Uh, but um but um curiosity contribution connection now making a transition from one industry to another can always be quite confronting, quite challenging at the best of times, you know, and, and that's if, that's if the two industries are relatively aligned, right? So I went, I came from hospitality into real estate. There's obvious synergies there with respect to the selling, with respect to, um, you know, making um, connections in a short space of time, so on and so forth. For yourself, Social services to real estate, if you were to look at it from an outsider's point of view, because an outsider's perception of one industry to another 
is like black and white almost in the sense yeah. of social services. You're there for the community. You're there to help people. You're there to contribute as you yeah. as per your values. Real estate is about making money, making yeah. deals, and the yeah. like. Yeah. When you first made this transition from social services into the real estate space, how easy or difficult was it for you to maintain the values that have served you to that point? I think, well, I was that outsider with that view of real estate. So I felt a bit icky at first, to be honest, about deciding to go and do real estate. And what I I think I never found... the, the the path through it for me was actually more discovering that, ah, oh, like this isn't opposite. Like I didn't have to kind of fight to keep my values in play. I just found that actually there was such a natural way for me to continue outworking those values in that context. Mm. And then when I sort of stuck my head up a bit and looked around, I'm like, ah, oh, there's lots of people in this industry who are doing the same thing in their own communities and, and that's fantastic. So... Um, yeah, I think it was, there was no battle to maintain my values in, in that space. I was just like, oh, this is a whole new place that I can use these, use these things. And like, we didn't have a background in business. Um, and I didn't like other than tenancy management for the, for the state. Um, I didn't really, I didn't have a background in real estate. So being curious was exceptionally useful in trying to figure things out as we go and, you know, just you know starting from a bedroom at home and we were, we were broke like we were so poor mm-hmm. um so there was like just going from there to then okay so now we have an office and now we've got a little bit of money but now we have a team oh crap how do we what would we do with these people like how, how do you <laughs> how do you lead like and and a lot of us um you know we we aren't given the tools through our families or through our schools to know how to actually relate to people <laughs> properly yeah. or like well other than surface and and like how to deal with difficult situations and how to manage these things so the, the value of curiosity and contribution it just it worked well like i had to be curious about what to do next i had to ask people i had to make sure it was building um what we were trying to do in the business and um and then like that hasn't stopped really because then you know COVID happened and we're freaking out that we're going to go broke. But actually, we made a lot of money, and it's like, oh well, what do we do with all this? We've never had money before, and it's like even trying to figure out what to do there. What does this mean for tax? What is it like? We're figuring all these things out as we go, and then like running a business the size we are now, it's totally different, even to what it was a year ago with the way we're growing. And and I'm looking ahead, knowing that this path just it just doesn't stop, and it's actually super useful to have those two values um that that's that's why i love it i guess and that's why i've I've stayed yeah i mean the amount of two-wheeled skateboards that you can buy uh just keeps growing and growing and growing (laughs) Um, yes so uh, there's a couple of things that i want to unpack with that the first thing i want to unpack with that is that you said right at the start then that the transition or the, the first foray into this new industry of yours, where it's very much social services to the corporate environment, okay, we are, which would have been the first sort of jar, um, going from state to self. Um, it, describe that whole ickiness thing. Like, did it, did it make you question 
who you are? Did it make you question your decisions? Did you fancy doing a U-turn at one point? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, so my identity definitely was very tied up in my work that I was doing um, for community services. Like I like I'd always wanted to work in child protection and that's what I was doing and there were a lot of different paths I could have taken there to continue that contribution, whether I went down the line of doing, mm. you know, hands-on um, casework or if I continued down the path of more like support and project and even policy. I've always been really interested in social policy. And um, and so to actually move out of that, yeah, there definitely was a bit of a loss of identity. Um, and because I only had that stereotypical view of real estate, I'm like, Ooh, this feels it's the fact that it felt a bit opposite to that was why I felt icky. And, um, and so, yeah, there was a a stepping away from an identity that I'd worn. And then through that, um, the business, I guess business is very consuming and it is very personal. Um, so I was able to fairly quickly develop a new identity around that, I guess, but in the last couple of years it's been unpacking that and and kind of going okay well actually who am I if you if I'm not a business owner if I'm not a wife if I'm not a mother who actually am I not just in relation to the things around me in my life and so that's been a bit of a journey I've been on the last couple of years mm. and that's been a bit messy and awkward and but yeah it's kind of it's worth it because we plan to be alive for a while and it's worth um worth doing these things to to try and yeah no no like so you you've stumbled across uh, a a topic that i think we do need to unpack and that is this whole sense of identity uh, now if we're to put this into the context of high performance humans one would assume that part of being a high performance human is having a firm belief in one's own identity, right? A firm belief that you know who you are, like as per your uh, as per your uh, definition, you know who you are, you know what you're about, you know your game inside out. Didn't mean for that to rhyme, and and um, so to hear that you're absolutely right. A lot of people, majority of people. I'd say a huge majority of people really are so defined by the role that they have from a work point of view. Like you just take, and and it just it just takes me back to twenty twenty when when COVID hit, and um, and it was fascinating, not in a in a fantastic way, to see how many uh, salespeople in particular within the real estate space just crumble. Because their identity of being big person on campus, driving a car around, in the suit, rocking the town, all the rest of it, was ripped away from them. Mm. And for a lot of people in that time, that was the thing. It wasn't the fact that their business was uh, struggling or anything like that. Their loss of identity, because they weren't putting the suit on, was so significant for them. And that's what's resulted in a hell of a lot of mental health challenges that are still, you know, we're getting the aftermath of that right now. The shockwave is coming through. So if we were to go and thinking about your experiences in that sort of struggle of, of foregoing that identity and, and the identity that you had, 
it would have it must have been something that you absolutely loved because to go into something like child protection you would have faced some horrific circumstances and some shitty situations that you were there to support and help and and whatnot that takes love like i you know i've got i've had you know both my parents are police officers i've got a niece who's an nhs nurse and and you must love what you do to put up with what you put up with right yeah and i guess so i was always in support roles so i wasn't out with the people in that role i was when i was in tenancy i was out with the people and geez we had some interesting situations there with child protection i was supporting the team but i was in some very specific teams and the work that i did required me to know what was happening what the go was right yeah so um yeah and it was and i I think when that is your world i was quite young like i was only in my early 20s when i was doing that Mm. that work is that um i think it can skew your worldview a little bit about what people are like you're spending 100 percent of your time on um people who have highly dysfunctional lives and you can kind of get a little bit scared of the world and feel like 100% of people are like that <laughs> because mm-hmm. you um it can make you a little bit um suspicious and um but yeah so i really i guess tried to embrace an assumption that actually most people are good but i had to do that deliberately um after that that kind of now, way into my working life yeah now though now now letting go of that identity because a lot of people will attach the element of success to this identity piece, right? I I would suspect that in order to be successful, uh, your identity within the game of whichever game you are playing or whichever industry you are in um, would need to be one of winning, right? Or doing well or or succeeding in some way, shape, or form. I think a high-performance human would be able to detach their identity or make that detachment between identity and success and allow that identity to be transferable across whichever element of their life they are in, right? Yeah. And this is a, let's theorize for a minute. Now, coming into your real estate life, where you where you said that you are you had to form your form a new identity, how long was it before this wall was found? The the, the wall that you've hit with regards to understanding who the hell I actually am. Was there any particular situation, circumstance, or 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 gathering of circumstances? that really brought this to realization for you? Because I think this is probably one of the breakthrough moments that a lot of people need to go through in order to sort of really take ownership of this high performance thing. Mm, that's a great question. Um, and look, there there has been, and I think one of my favorite sayings is life only makes sense in reverse, but you have to live it forwards. <laughs> So like something that. like that. Yeah, it's like you look back and you're like, oh, I can see that now. But when you're in it, geez, none of it makes sense. Um, mm. But for me, so, yeah, there definitely was kind of a culmination of circumstances. If um, So when I started in the business, I, I was very much my goal was to help Samuel out and then kind of get out. Um, that was the plan. And I think um, that's been beneficial in that my goal has never been to be about a particular job in the business. It's actually been about equipping the business to run 
mm-hmm. without me. And that's been quite a useful foundation when it comes to growing team and making sure that, you know, it's the systems carrying the weight. Autonomy, the things like that. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So, so that was a useful foundation. But what, what was kind of tied up in that was a real reluctance and a hesitation and actually a fear of being seen. And I wanted to not be seen in any of that. So it was like about making Samuel shine, making the team shine, making that. And if you'd asked me, and I, someone, I, I, I verbalized this back then, I said, my biggest fear is being seen. Wow. And so to kind of get to the place where I'm not only not afraid of that, but leaning into that has been a big part of the journey. And there was a a key point in that. And that in 2020, um, I did Elite Agents Transform program, which is Mm -hmm. like a a 30-day challenge. They change it up every year. Um, But that particular year, uh, it was just, you know, you know, the teacher finds a student at the right time. And um, when I saw that program, I thought, oh, geez, this would be good for the team to do. Mm. Um, you know, we were coming into a bit of an uncertain time. Um, just trying to remember the timing of it. We weren't, I think when I signed up, we weren't really sure if, like what was going to eventuate with COVID. Right. Um, and so I'm like, oh, yeah, this would be good for the team. Um, I'll sign them up for it. And then I'm like... I guess a real leader would do it as well. And um, so I signed up for it too. And, um, and so, and just going through that, um, I was lucky enough to be, you know, I was paired with Hannah Gill as my buddy. And she really, I guess she saw that maybe I, I had some ingredients that were actually, you know, pretty cool. And, and, um, and I was talking to her about some things we were doing and, and she really like, um, I guess, you know, lifted me up and gave me some some feedback that was like, wow, this is actually really cool. And I'm like, oh, is it? Like, I wouldn't know. I'm just here trying to hide and mm. make it prop everybody else up. And um, and and then it kind of got to the pointy end of it. And you have to win. Like, it's, it's a competition as well. And I'm like, you have to pitch to win. And I'm like, oh, gosh, no, I don't do that. And so I was sort of saying to Hannah, I'm like, oh, you know, it's, I've learned so much. It's been really good. I I don't really have time for this, or nor do I want to do it. And she's like, No, no, you, you need to do it. And and I think something that I've always done, I've I've always taken what I do seriously. So I either won't do something, or if I do do something, I'm get, I just can't not do it properly. Mm. Like I want to do it, and I I don't do that on purpose. It's actually kind of frustrating sometimes. But once I'm in, I'm all in. So mm. I'm like, Okay. All right, I'll win. <laughs> I'll go and I'll win. <laughs> so, um, so I did that and I did it. I I won and and I guess like I was very visible in that. And actually, for a long time, when I'd have these experiences where, so there was a bit of media like coverage that came with that, and it was lovely. But I found it very overwhelming and actually like it tanked me for a while. Like I yeah. had to kind of recover from that. And so it's been this kind of clunky process of. I guess, what would you say? It's like improving my tolerance for it. And mm. actually, that's that's where my Instagram came about. And you're right, there's a lot of selfies. And I do that as tolerance testing for my fear of being seen. And um, so, that's like putting muscle around that thing that I found incredibly uncomfortable and um, and would actually cause me to have this kind of boom bust cycle in my energy. Anytime we'd get a little bit of attention in the media or if someone wanted to do a podcast or even in the local paper and stuff, it'd be like nice, but I'd have this real bust of energy and, and have to kind of like drag myself out of a hole <laughs> for a while. Mm. I was very honest. 
um, but yeah, that 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 is that's what happened there. And so, yeah, I think if you ever do come across my Instagram, it's very self indulgent. But yes, it's battle testing for that. Yeah, it's kind of trying to increase my tolerance for that, and it has it has helped. And then also um, on my Insta, that's where I've put like I, I'm like, okay, so who would I be if I'm not wife, mother? business owner like who am I take all those things away so what I've come up with there was curious energetic and easily fascinated Mm. and um easily fascinated came about my daughter she um I was having I was feeling irritated at her one day because she was taking too long to do something she was supposed to do she was getting distracted I'm like stop getting distracted she's like mum I'm easily fascinated. And I'm like, ah. oh, thank you. Because I'm Very a bit good. hard on myself for being easily distracted. I'm like, no, I'm easily fascinated. So um, and that that is it's a core, it's a core part of who I am. I'm never gonna get away from it. So mm. um easily fascinated, energetic, curious, and that that's what I've been trying to like put some muscle around. Now, did you think, I love that, I love that, easily fascinating, that's wonderful. Um, now, did you think that um, that accelerated level of perceived success, excuse me, that, that, that perceived ex- success that you had thrust upon you, do you feel that that also at the same time exposed you to yourself with respect to the fact that shit i'm being lauded as this winner of whatever it is right of the of this transform did it make you feel almost like you were something of a fraud because you really didn't know who you are or didn't know who you were or couldn't define who you were i i think it's not so much that it made me feel like a fraud it's more like um probably more of an unworthiness more than a fraud or imposter thing right. would be what it what the feeling was mm. um and 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 i think that's probably like the feeling of being a small fish in a big pond is something that i i go after that feeling like i like that's a good thing mm. um but i think when it comes to the areas of responsibility i've been a bit lucky my areas of responsibility are largely, I feel like it's within the realms of my competence to yep. be able to do it or figure it out. So, um, yeah. So, I, does that kind of? Yeah. So, I like because I, I think um, what I'm sort of getting at is I think that sometimes when people focus, and I'm not saying that you did at that point, but sometimes people can focus on success to the point where they lose sight of who they are. Mm-hmm. And and they lose track of who they are. I think in any sort of sales industry, particularly uh, we see in real estate, people uh, put on what they see or what they feel they need to as a persona in order to be successful. Um, yeah. But as a result of that, they actually lose who they are inherently as a person. And that is then what causes things like burnout. It's what causes anxiety and, and those sorts of things. When, when the pressure to chase success results in you either compromising or hiding your true self because you have that fear of your true self being judged and you are too busy trying to chase the thing. Yeah, um, and and that's there's, that's sort of where I'm thinking there because with each element of this high performance human thing, there are 
uh, there's fine lines that if you crossed and went the wrong way, it can soon, it can very quickly turn into a problem, right? You know, so for example, you take influence, for example, uh, influence can be used to a tremendous, uh, tremendously beneficial level for society, community, whatever, business. Influence can also be used for the absolute negative as well. And yeah. it can, and, and as well as that, the, the pursuit of influence can lead to a, a real struggle in terms of, um, in terms of that self validation, you know, vanity metrics that people chase and all that sort of stuff in order to feel influential. They need to see 75 thumbs up on their Facebook post or whatever. Otherwise, uh, their valid, their, their existence isn't validated. So there's very fine lines with each of the, each one of those elements that can contribute to either the good or the bad, whether it's personal or whether it's external. And, and I think that whole success, I think what we've stumbled across in this conversation, I'm really grateful that we have. So thank you is that with success, with the chase and the pursuit of success, it can very quickly come at the cost of identity of self. If we don't stay true to our own identity in that pursuit, because the easiest thing to do is to just, I'll just hide this bit of me because that'll help me make, that'll help me to create success quicker. Um, You know, that'll, that'll, if I, if I just hide this element of it means that um, people won't judge me as much. And therefore I've probably got a higher chance of making more money or getting more business or becoming more successful. And so I think, uh, you know, this journey that you've been on in terms of really looking to define who you are. Um, I think it's a barrier, like I mentioned earlier, that we all perhaps need to go through in order to, tr- in order to discover what true success is for us. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. We can't, we tend to go through plateau. We tend to go through steps of success, right? We go through that initial perceived what success is. And then we go, shit, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. And then, so we try and go, and then we have to go through another sort of evolution to discover what success looks like for us properly uh, in our whole true selves. I know I've gone through that massively. Um, so. Yeah. It's an interesting one that you brought up with that. And, I, and I'm really grateful that you have that identity and success are very closely intertwined and we can soon lose our own identity if we chase success too much. Do you think mm. that's fair? I think that's fair. And I think where it was different for me was I actually didn't have a picture of what success looked like for me. Mm. I kind of just wanted to stay in the background. So success for me was almost being avoidant of, you know, being 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 seen and public, um, ad- public adoration yeah and 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 that was a little bit confusing because i'm like well i don't i don't sell the houses i don't like i mean i've done i've done all the different elements of property management at different stages but i'm like i don't want to be a property manager i don't want to be a business development manager i don't really so like I, I remember saying to Sam McLean at one point, I, I said, like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, what's the point of growing? And like, mm. what's the point of all this stuff that I'm doing? What am I trying to do here? I don't I do not do these things. And she helped me understand that it's for um, recruitment as well. Like, so as part of, I know that our biggest bottleneck to growth in a regional area is being able to attract the right talent in to maintain even the, the size that we're at and mm. then to continue to grow. So, by um by me being you know connected in with the industry at a wider scale makes us a more attractive option for people and and then that 
you know, what I learn feeds back into the business and it's, it's like this virtuous cycle. But yeah, I, I think I've never, it's probably maybe been an advantage. I've never really had a picture of what success looked like and had to chase that. But I guess I heard someone say um, a while ago, some people are more afraid of um, success than failure. Mm. And um, I definitely was one of those people. I think I was afraid of success rather than in relentless pursuit of success. Yeah, and I, and I think if we were all to look at ourselves in the mirror, I think that there'd be an element of truth uh, in that for all of us. And mm. um, and and I think that's something that I think we can all marinate on uh, from this part, from this episode. Is ask yourself the question, Yang: Am I am I worried about failing, or am I or am I in fear of what success will bring? Mm. And and I, and I think that is a very valid. A very, very valid question that we need to ask ourselves in the pursuit of becoming our own definition of, of a high performance human. Um, hey, Laura, I've, uh, I've taken up plenty of your time and I tell you what, you have, um, consciously or not or otherwise, uh, prompted, uh, some real strong thoughts that I think we can all take away from here and, and really marinate on. Um, gang, for those that are listening, if you do, uh, if this has prompted any sort of thoughts or uh, any sort of uh, notions that you may have, and you'd like to share it with us, please make sure that you do send us a DM. And and also, team, please make sure that you connect with Laura on social media because she is a little ray of sunshine. She's a, and I don't mean that in a condescending way. She's just an absolutely gem, absolute gem of a human being. And like when it comes to those four elements, like I said to you before, gang. That third one, connection, is certainly one that Laura exudes in spades. So you'd be uh, hard-pressed to find uh, a better example as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, Laura, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us on the High Performance Human Podcast and being uh, so open to conversing over your own personal experience in the pursuit of that. Um, thank you uh, to uh, your beloved better half, Samuel, for giving, for allowing you to spend some time with us as well and <laughs> uh, taking time out of the business. I know that uh, you've been in and out, running around, doing all the various things that you do. So having you in the office would be a novelty for some of the gang. Uh, <laughs> so it's great to it's great to spend some time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Annie, and thanks for all your great questions. And um, yeah, really enjoyed sharing today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The High Performance Human. Hopefully, we've given you enough value to justify the time that you've given us. And we've got you that much closer to becoming your version of a high performance human. If you want to have any questions answered, then please feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram at Andy Reed Coaching, or alternatively, shoot me an email, andy at andyreed.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thank you so much for joining us once again, and I really can't wait to hopefully bring you some more value in the next episode. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, most importantly, stay happy.